0: Hey friend, thanks for listening to the Fixate Phoenix podcast. We are praying that you are blessed by this week's message. If you would like to partner with the future of Fixate, you can visit fixatephx.com slash gift. We're going to jump right into the message, and what we've been doing is we've been kind of walking through our core values. So we believe in depth, discipline, sacrifice, and sustainability. And so our goal was we spent a few weeks on depth, a few weeks on disciplines, a few weeks on sacrifice, and now, in my opinion, is something that I have um, been waiting and so excited to talk about, and, and, and in my opinion, it's probably something that's most overlooked and a huge um, I would say truth uh, to following Christ and its sustainability. So we're going to talk about that today and really for the next few weeks. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our church. God, we thank you that we could gather on this Sunday. God, we thank you that we could be in a in a spot and in a place in which we have safety, protection and provision. God, this week we we thank you for your for just the blessing of our country thanksgiving and thankfulness, God, that we would, uh, that anything, we know that everything um, flows from you. So this week, as we talk about sustainability, Father, I pray that we would be challenged in the rhythms, in the patterns, and in the lifestyle of following you. Not to view it as a seasonal, or on fire, or, well, work's busy, and the kids are, but rather, God, that we would be a people who are sustainable in all seasons. As this comes from the passage, God, that we want to be trees firmly planted by streams of living. May that be the people of this house. We love you and praise you in Jesus name in the church said. How many of you guys know uh, ever the like the adage, you know, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. right? It's like, I don't know how many times that has been said in a spiritual context or any context. It's like, hey, pace yourself, you know. And I I say that because in sustainability, like, I'm starting from that, but not wanting to say that, if that makes sense, right? Doing Christ in a healthy way that doesn't break down or deconstruct or become jaded or cynical or people or just don't become, I don't even know. Today, there's another one becoming like like conspiratory or uh, all of these things. There's so many layers to what it means to, in my opinion, sustainably and rootedly. Follow Christ. Now, how many of you guys played track or ran cross country at some point in your life? Anybody? Okay. How many of you guys hated it? Okay. Anybody who raises their hand and says they like running is a liar. It's so funny, too, because i like, meet runners, and they're like, man, I love running. And I'm like, man, you're a good liar. You're a great liar. It's like, just think about it, right? It's like, whoever is like, man, I just so enjoy it. It's like, wow, you enjoy being in pain and not being able to breathe. It's incredible. Some people in here are like, I feel attacked. You should. (laughs) Right? Gosh, I love you so much, Viv. My goddaughter's in the back row, just staring me down. Held her for four hours the other day because her dad didn't want to hold her. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, Actually, I don't think there's something. Anyway, I ran track when I was in middle school because in middle school it was cool and you didn't have to literally suffer to do it quite yet. And what I found out is I was good enough to run short and long distance, but what I found out is short-distance sprinters, their practice routine was a lot worse than the long distance. Which for a lot of us, we'd be like, that sounds backwards, right? Well, it wasn't where I was from. What they used to do is they would take, there was a loop that you would run around the school, and it would take about 30 minutes. And what they'd do at practice is they would say, you need to run the loop three times. Now, they didn't care about the pace, they couldn't see you, nothing, which for me, once again, I wanted to be at the work as humanly possible. Some of you guys are like, "Well, wow, that, that doesn't seem good. It's like, don't act like a thought hasn't went through your mind. How can I be involved in something with as little possible involvement with being involved? Everybody knows what I'm saying. Uh, so I remember I chose, I, I chose to run long distance because I found out that there was part of the area of this loop that would go through the woods. And the coaches absolutely couldn't see you. So me and my friends, we had a little bit of... And the epiphany was this, is in gym class during school, we were playing tennis. And if we hit the tennis balls far enough, they could go into the woods. During track practice, we could pick up the tennis balls that we hit out of the tennis courts. And then we could climb trees and pelt anybody who was actually practicing. Okay? So, I was, I was pretty darn good at track for very little amount of practice. I can tell you what I was really good at. Hitting people with tennis balls who were actually trying. That was so, so, my middle school years of track, genuinely, I looked at the practice going on at short distance and I was like, that looks painful. And then I just schemed up my own concoction of how I could have fun. And then there was about four of us that we would climb the trees and we would pelt people with tennis balls. We got away with it for about two weeks before the coaches started hearing about, you know, the, the goody two-shoes runners. Micah and the boys are in the trees again. <laughs> it sounds so fantastic even saying it. is in the trees. But flip side, my brother was an incredible track runner. Incredible track runner, Uh, very close to setting a bunch of records. And what's funny about my brother is he would run so hard, he would throw up after every race. Let that sink in. Right. He would he'd run so hard and and, and exert so much energy that he would throw up. Now, once again, coming from tennis ball boy to throw-up boy, which one was better? Neither, (laughs) right? Even though he was doing a lot better and winning stuff, even less. Once again, people who are runners in here, you know, you know you don't like it. (laughs) You know you don't. You are lying. But sustainability, when we think about it, right, right? in my opinion, is let's, let's kind of create this picture of it somewhere in the between of having fun throwing tennis balls and throwing up because you're exerting too much. But genuinely, I would say this about Christianity today. I believe that we only have taught seasons of one or the other where we're like, man, I can barely even function in life because I feel like I have to do all of these things. Or just being a part of a social gospel in which we never actually grow or get any better. We just maintain the same status quo because we like being a part, but we don't like that part changing us. And so when I talk about sustainability, it's about me developing the rhythms of health and growth that don't burn us out and don't put out the flame. And I think as sad as it is today... A lot of us, maybe, we don't even know about that in the construct of church or faith because the modeling is such a wide spectrum. And so what I wanted to do is I actually wanted to, uh, before we jump into Matthew, some of uh, my favorite passages of framing for this, and then we're going to spend a ton of time on one passage, is in Psalms fifty-five twenty-two. It says, "This "'Cast your burdens upon the Lord, and he allow the righteous to be sh- shaken.'" This one, actually, I, I pulled from the NA, NIV because I enjoyed some of the language they used in articulating this truth. It says this, Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. And I love this. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Think about that. They will have no fear. I think even me saying that, there's like an offensiveness to our minds. Like God could sustain us, and God could be so steadfast that even the hearing of bad news doesn't incite fear or anxiety, but there's a trust in God. You know, for me personally, I think this is what I'm, I'm going to talk about towards the end is some stories in my life that really without a depth of sustainability in Christ that there's no way I would have made it through. But before I get there, I want us to focus on, and today from this passage, I'm going to give us six truths and a lie. Not two truths and a lie, six truths. The of scripture, and I want us to really go in deep on this. I think for you guys today, the challenge is going to be, all right? do we believe that God is our sustainer? And if we do believe that, how do we model sustainability in our lives to where we continue to be steadfast in walking with Him? So let's read. Here we go. Matthew 25, 1 through verse 13. It says this. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. In Jesus' language, what you see a lot of the times is him comparing himself to a wedding feast and a bridegroom. So as we're looking, kingdom of heaven, this is the kingdom of heaven on earth. The, the, the picture of how we are to live as followers of Christ. This is me kind of adding context as we go through it. It says this. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil. The bridegroom was delaying. They got drowsy and began to fall asleep. But at midnight there was a shout. Behold, the bridegroom come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose, trimmed their lam- and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, "Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out." But the prudent answered, "No, there will not be enough for us, and you two go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves." And while they were going to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later on, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on alert then, for you do not know the day or the hour. Now, for me personally, I think this is, uh, as I've talked to people about this passage, this is one where it's just like, man, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's like, okay, the kingdom of heaven is about like uh, the bachelor uh, or the, uh, the, the groomsmen's and, and the bridesmaids like just camping with land middle and then people have to get other oil and then they, they lock them out and they're like, no, I don't know. Like it just in our context, it just doesn't make any sense. But what I want to do is I want to spend time because, in my opinion, I've actually been researching this particular passage on sustainability for a long time because I think it gives the perfect example of what it means to be faithful, to be consistent, and to be aware. And as we start over the next few weeks talking about sustainability, this is the bedrock we'll grow everything out of this passage. So six truths and a lie. The first truth: Are we foolish or are we prudent? You know, prudent. Actually, if you look at it in the Greek in Matthew, it's it's essentially the exact same word as wisdom. Okay, but actually, um, foolishness is the Greek word moros, and and there's five definitions associated. But what's interesting is about these definitions is the last couple. So the meaning is a dull, a dullness, a lack of understanding, an impiousness or a godlessness is essentially a- attributed to having a lack of reverence or respect for God. And what's funny to me is I think if I were to project foolishness and say, hey, what do you think foolishness is? Most of us would just be like, well, it's, it's stupidity. Which in essence it is, but in this particular context, context it's, not just, it's not just stupidity, it's a lack of reverence and respect. So you can say, hey, do you have a reverent awe for God, a respect for his word? Now, that's, a, that's something where maybe we'd have to like sit in the weightiness of what that means. What does it mean to have reverence? What does it mean to have respect? And in my opinion, this is what distinguishes prudence and foolishness. See, and and, and this is what I'm framing for you today, okay? Reverence and respect. Reverence and respect. Why? Because I believe today it's so easy to have a reverence for God, but not a respect for what he said. It's so easy even to have a respect for what he said, but not necessarily a reverence that that comes into our lives and transforms how how we live. And so the challenge today, right, in our first truth is, are you foolish or are you prudent? And prudent, all it comes down to is a wisdom that knows reverence and respect. The second thing, right? Second truth. They took no oil. Now, this is found in verse 3 and 4, and I want you to notice the language. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the prudent took oil in flasks along with their lamps. What do we see? They actually did take oil, they just didn't take extra. I want us to sit on that for a second because I think it's very important. They only took what they thought their lamps could hold. They only took what they thought would be enough, and and they were full. See, this is the foundational, like, first truth I'm going to drive into sustainability, is it's not about you being full, it's about you being prepared. See, what we see is, is the lamp was full, but we didn't have the flask which carried excess. And I'm going to say this to you. See, I think a lot of the times it's really easy to come into spiritual settings and be like, man, I feel full. And not be aware that God's wanting us to actually carry the fullness, carry it in a way where it's separate of who we are in these settings. And it's something that when we're not in these settings can be added in when we haven't been filled. And I think it's so important for us today to know this is... Doing extra with God is about having excess in the spirit. And I think a lot of us, right, if I were to ask you, hey, you know, what spectrum are you on? Are you the guy that's throwing tennis balls in the trees or throwing up after every race? Hopefully we wouldn't be either end of the spectrum because that's mildly extreme. (laughs) That spectrum is an awareness that I need to be prepared with excess so that if I start to run dry, amen, it would be humility. And I love that it said they took no oil. They took no oil because they did take oil. They just didn't take extra. Are the habits and the disciplines you have in your life, habits and disciplines that fill you with the extra oil? Or if the only time you get oil is in this setting... Or in spiritual settings But you don't know how to get oil on your own There's going to be a moment when the flame goes out And the darkness starts to come Sustainability is knowing the level of oil you possess But also knowing that it's not this that puts the oil in It's having that reservoir on your own And I want to challenge your perception as you pursue it And I pray that we as people are prepared for if it starts to go down from these settings, we have it from the outside that puts it in. Because in my opinion, genuinely, the reason people are walking away Lord, the reason why we're having struggles with the truth of, of, of or we have disagreements or offense in different things is because the, we're starting to run low and there's like a gate, uh, an awareness gauge flashing and it's like God's like, hey, you gotta put more in or the things of this would be people who are aware of the oil level. The third truth, right? And I love the language. The delayed bridegroom in the sleepy circumstances. Verse five, it says this. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. Delayed is when the timeline is not met and the expectation of time that passes that dictates drowsiness. You know what the enemy of sustainability is? Delayed and drowsy. I'm going to say this too. I believe that most people walk away from God because expectations aren't matter. We become sleepy within the rhythmic practices of what we feel or trying to do with God. And I want to say this to you. Sustainability is learning how to lean in in the delay, forcing yourself to stay awake when the enemy's trying to get you sedated. Delay and sleepiness the enemies of sustainability and i would even say this i believe some of us right now are sitting in a season of delay and we're questioning god's goodness we're sitting in a season of delay wondering god what's this timeline what's going on why can i not and god's asking us the question man are you are you going to persevere are you still gonna man? When things aren't going how you want? Drowsiness, are you gonna stay awake when you just want to fall asleep and become numb to everything? Because, in my opinion, this passage, right, that the as we sit here, do we have oil in the tank when there's delay? Do we have oil in the tank when we're starting to grow drowsy? Do we have the oil to sustain? I was doing research on it. Verse 7, it says this, Then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. You know, in those days, trimming a wick is done so that the flame burns bright and so it burns clear. It's done in such a way that if trimmed properly, the the wick doesn't draw any attention. It doesn't need any attention for hours. It burns pure and bright. And the biggest thing is, is if you don't char, or if there's a smokiness that happens inside of the lamp that smokes up the lens that doesn't make sure that it's bright... There's a charredness that happened where it doesn't burn clear and bright and it burns almost dull. And then also, some of us have even known this, is when the wick isn't trimmed, you can hear a cracklingness as it's burning off the dried fragments. I love it. They arose and they trimmed their lamps. They trimmed their lamps so their lamps would burn brighter and purer to lead them forward. If I were to ask you, what are things in your life... Inhibiting your ability to burn. What are things in your life right now that, as you evaluate, you say, "Man, that's maybe a little smoky." Adds this to me because genuinely, this is the focus: is trim the things that are inhibiting the flame from burning. You want to know if you'll make it sustainably following Christ. Are you self-aware of the things that are inhibiting your flame? And removing them. As sad as it is to say, American churches is aware of. And what I mean by that is I genuinely believe we just think, oh, I can go anywhere and Christ is in me. It's all good. And we don't realize if we're not pouring in and we're going in environments where we're pouring out and not even pouring out, but it's there's fragments of our spirituality and fall in that's being taken away. If you don't think your flame isn't burning bright, it's probably not. And what the worst thing for me is, genuinely, I can say this, one of the toughest things for me to do is look at somebody who really believes they're following God and be like, man, your light isn't that bright. Because the thing is, is when you're aware of of your need for the oil, when you get around people who don't really want any oil or need any, aren't really aware of the flame and don't really know the time of day, it's only a matter of time before you don't have a flame anymore. And I want to encourage you as followers of Christ to trim your lamp and be aware of it. Because I'm telling you this, your wick only burns by the decisions you make. I can walk up to you with five gallons for maybe a month or two, but I can't do it for you. Trimming the lamps is self-awareness. But even more than that, I pray that you realize that it's sustainability, in my opinion, is not just having a flame. It's about having a pure flame, a flame that burns bright and can be seen, not a smoky, charred or hanging on by the edge flame. Trim the lamps. Fifth truth. If you have to purchase what you weren't prepared for, you might miss what you've been waiting on. Verse 9 and 10, it says this. But the prudent answered, no, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourself. What's really sad for me is my faith. I can't just transpose on you. And I'll even say this. The reason we chose sustainability is a value for our church and my wife. We know the weight of leading spiritual community. We know the weight of of caring and caring for people. But I'm going to say this. What's sad is when people want the oil, my oil, but they don't want to purchase any for themselves. I want to challenge you. Purchase oil that burns in the night. Purchase oil that keeps the flame bright. See, a lot of us, what we want to do is we want to purchase everything except the oil and wonder why we don't have light. That is, I've had moments where I've looked at people who were on fire for God, who come to me and people I looked up to who are now looking at me and saying, man, I lost it. I lost it. One of my earliest memories of of after high school, I I was talking to somebody before. Oh, I remember you guys. It was you guys. I was talking. I said, you know, I turned 31 in in right around a month and I was laughing uh, about it. But I also had a sombering moment during worship. And you maybe have heard me um, say this story before I just came back from a conference. I was probably 18 years old and I was in the back row of church and I was here for the Lord. And I remember praying and I said, God, I pray that this fire never leaves. I pray that this fire never leaves. I pray that this fire never leaves. And I never will forget it. I felt like there was a whisper in that moment. And the Lord said, that's not up to me. And as sad as it is, I think that a lot of the time we think it's up to him and it's actually up to you. And and what I want to challenge you in is this: is remember, right? If you want to, pur- if you have to purchase something you weren't prepared for, you might miss what you've been waiting on. And as sad as it is, I believe some of us, God, we get to a point where we want God to do something, and and purchasing something that that you were, I want to add context to this that you weren't prepared for. Was you under the awareness, right? of God wants to give you things that can unlock doors in your life, but if you won't pursue the depths of wisdom and insight with Him in some of these, we might get to lock doors and wonder why we don't have keys. And there is such a, even our story, if, you, if you've been here for any length of time, there is such a um, a somberness to this for this moment because I'm telling you, when you step out with no, You just step out completely in trust. There has to be an awareness of God. I have such a depth in you that there is not a door, there's not a season that you won't be with me in. There is nothing that you can't get me through. I trust you. And that's what me and my wife stepped out on. And I think really, if I'm honest, the reason why we're not really stepping out on faith is because if we step out, we might become more aware of the things that we lack rather than the things that we have. See, if you have to purchase what you're not prepared for, usually that comes with an awareness of dang, I don't have something that I thought I had. Church, where, we're, where faith is needing to meet our reality and reality staring us in the face, and our faith is not really there. Because we never purchased in the quiet, we never purchased in the rhythms, we never purchased in the lifestyle, we never purchased in the putting first, we never purchased in the quiet times with ourselves in the Word, we never purchased in, in those crucial conversations with deep relationships that help trim the wick, we've never purchased making tough decisions that refine the brightness, we haven't purchased those things. And now we feel locked out from our dream. If you have to purchase what you weren't prepared for, you might miss what you've been waiting on. Sixth truth. The door was shut, and I believe this is very important. And if this is the only thing you get from this sermon, I'm okay with it. Verse 10 and verse 12. Through twelve, And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the well. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you as the door was shut. Think about this for a second. I want to really expand our minds here. The door was not just shut to those who did not have the extra flask. The door was shut to those who did not have what was necessary to see in the darkness. See, notice the timing the bridegroom came. He came in the middle of the night. He could have came in the middle of the day when they didn't need a lamp, right? Then it wouldn't have mattered. Everybody would have came in. But he came in the middle of the night. And I want to challenge you on this. Sustainability is not... It's about how we become the light and use the light when life is dark. Because genuinely, this story isn't about people who were prepared... Even though it is, it's about people who are prepared to see in darkness. And that's what I'm trying to get to with sustainability. Sustainability is learning to see God when it's dark. And when it's what you would. And be a person with strength that you never thought you can muster. Sustainability is God when the light is out. I've got enough inside of me to light it up. And as sad as it is today, we need Christians and believers who don't believe in darkness anymore. They just believe in the light inside of themselves. Because we're all about talking about darkness. But really, if we're truthful, if we knew the light we have, we wouldn't even be worried about darkness. Even for me personally, I love when people try to pigeonhole or tell or this or that. Because our story is just God, we believe in the light, we'll step out. And even my story as I look back on sustainability, even my story is is an awareness of early on, okay, God, it's not up to you, it's up to me. I'll steward it. I'll steward it. I remember... I remember there was a, somebody in our college ministry, and, and we were actually very close. I went and watched his indoor soccer games, and it was a, he was an awesome dude. But I remember he came to me, and he came from a really kind of tough home. And his, his dad was, was uh, abused abusing substance, and, and his mom was just not really there. She was trying to kind of provide for the family. And he was about 19 years old, and he had met this girl and really wanted to propose to her. And he wanted to do it right. He felt like, you know what, I encountered the Lord. I don't want to move in just with, my, with her and live with her. I want to actually, like all these things, he just was like, man, just so on fire for the Lord. And everybody knew him in our community. And he, uh, one of his buddies knew that he was trying to kind of get some money. And so he said, hey, will you just drive with me and help me drive down to Kentucky to pick something up? And then we'll come back and I'll give you 500 bucks. My buddy immediately was like, yeah, I'll do it. What he didn't know was that he was going to be picking up a, a shipment of drugs. So he's in the car, and as he's driving there, he finds out. And as he's there, well, he's already there. But the problem is, is the deal goes bad, and he's shot in the head and killed. It's a th- hey, I need you to tell all his friends at the church. And if you could, could you tell them one by one? Just not the group, because I know it's devastating news. So here I am, two hours before our college night, calling the ones I know he knows and the ones who are walking in, pulling them outside. Can I talk to you? 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 See, sustainability is when we're faced with those things. The light doesn't diminish. It points still to God. And I have story after story of things that I've led through and been through. And it's never once led me to doubting God. It's led me to God. I have a somber awareness of my responsibility on this earth to lead, to stand, and to stay faithful just for our lives but also for the lives of those around us when it feels like the sands of are shifting and, and sucking us down and rather us understanding that man we have a responsibility to this world to carry oil for when the night is darkest because everybody if it was in the middle of the day when the light was out could have been in the in the, in the wedding banquet a delay. He came in the middle of the night for those who didn't have enough oil. And I want to challenge you. The lie is this, and I've said it a few times. It's not about if you're full. It's about if you're prepared. Six truths and a lie. I hear all the time. God, fill me up. God, fill me up. God, overflow. God, overflow. Listen. If we're in settings where we're saying that, that's great. But being prepared in the secret for when you're going to face something is the only way you get through the somethings. And as sad as it is, I've seen so many people who they were full in here, but they weren't prepared for this. That God wants you full in here. But he needs you prepared out there. And this story to me is one where everybody was full in the beginning. But only a few were prepared for the delay and for the drowsy. And I pray today that you would realize that it's, yeah, it's great to be full. But there's a whole nother level of what it means to be prepared. And you would sign up for that challenge. So when the night is dark, your lamp still burns. Stand to your feet. If we could, and whatever this posture of receptivity is, a practice that we do here... A practice that we do here is I pray out the message over. Like for you, if you want to receive with your hands open or your heart open or whatever it is, I pray that we would be challenged to be sustainable followers of God. Not the ones who are throwing tennis balls, but not the ones who are throwing up after. But the ones who when it's dark out, we've got the brightness to burn. Not the ones who are just full here, but the ones who are prepared. I pray you receive this prayer over you today. <laughs> Father, we, try, we do not want to win at life and not last in you. That is not winning. We want to be faithful to the path you have placed in front of us, stewards of the state of our soul, depth in the scripture and spirit, disciplined in the sanctuary and Sabbath, sacrificing in generosity and love for our neighbors and for the kingdom and working these things together in balance for a steadfast permission if the clay becomes too hard to start anew. We long to be the vessel that you fill and it stays full. God, would you ingrain in our minds the importance of you in our existence Not just in your existence in our schedules on Sunday mornings, but rather your existence in our cars, our homes, our schools, our workplaces, our kitchens, and our bedrooms. Your existence in our anxiety and our unmet expectation. Your existence in our joy and our fulfillment. Teach us to be people who are aware of your presence in the highs and the lows of this life. Make us a people and community of believers who knows your grace and has seen your goodness. And no situation or circumstance can redefine that. Oh God, build in us a heart that yearns to walk with you all the days of our lives and a legacy in which in our life we're known for. And that our lamps had never run out of oil.